Hello, and welcome back to the Durham Club podcast, where we explore the latest trends, breakthroughs, and insights into the world of clinical dermatology and the industry. Today, I am thrilled to have Dr. Sherling, a dermatologist in South Florida and the co-founder of Modernizing Medicine, a platform that has helped to transform and digitize dermatology practices across the United States. We're going to spend a lot of time today discussing Modernizing Medicine, a company that was founded back in 2010. Modernizing Medicine, for those of you who don't know, is an electronic medical record, EMR for short. It's a system that is designed for specialty fields like dermatology. I myself have spent a great deal of time using their platform while seeing dermatology patients in the clinic. And the truth is it has created unparalleled efficiency, bridging technology and healthcare to bring dermatology and practices together as well as patients into the digital age. Throughout our discussion, we'll delve into the heart of modernizing medicine, exploring its impact on the field of dermatology and its unique edge in the competitive landscape of EMRs. We'll discuss the role of artificial intelligence in shaping the future of EMR and how modernizing medicine plans to integrate these advancements. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Sherling. It's truly a pleasure to have you on the Derm Club podcast. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm looking forward to spending some time with you and and sharing with you our vision for how we can improve the lives of our, of our customers. Wonderful. So we'll get started by first asking, could you share um, what was the foundation of modernizing medicine? What was your inspiration and the mission that has led to this wonderful creation? Thank you for asking. Um, I um, when it was actually started back probably in medical school. Um, actually, when I was learning, um, obviously anatomy and 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 physiology and all sorts of things, there was a class that was like that was taught in the business school how to start a high tech company, uh, um, and um, I audited it. And so, like during medical school, you know, I'm like, you know learning about medicine. So, so I basically snuck out into the business school, took this class. Um, and to, Sounds to, to a lot start, more fun uh, than anatomy. Uh, uh, <laughs> how to learn about how to start a business plan and all these other things. So I was like, wow, this is really kind of cool. And so that kind of got me thinking about like um, doing a joint MD MBA program, which I did, um, which was also kind of interesting and has its own set of challenges um, because as a physician in training, not really having the business background, I couldn't really contribute to those um, discussions in class on business school, but definitely helped me figure out what I kind of wanted to do the next step. Um, after that, I went to residency, did, did, did dermatology residency, um, relocated to Florida, was in private practice there for about a year. Um, and then just a, a chance hap uh, encounter with a patient um, happened. Um, where a patient came to my clinic, um, that, that was my co-founder, um, just coming in for a routine skin check. He, I had learned during the encounter that he founded a company called Blackboard. It's an e-learning company that he took public uh, for a billion six on the NASDAQ, uh, I guess while we were in, or while I was in residency, um, and and uh, was kind of in between his next like um, opportunity. And so I pitched him this idea about how do we save physicians time how do we build an electronic medical record that's workflow friendly? 
Um, and he get, I mean, at the time he gets pitched all the time about people wanting to start companies with him. And all of his co-founders were strangely named Michaels. Um, so I was just the third Michael, like in his- So I changed my name? Life of Michaels, <laughs> like, yeah. So I guess, um, so randomly it worked. We, we went out to his favorite restaurant and I pitched him, you know, this idea of how do we make um, a te technology that helps physicians. And I drew like um, the user interface that we have, which is the virtual exam room on a napkin and said, hey, can we do this? And this was pre um, before the invention of the iPad. And so it was kind of cool, cool timing. As with everything in life, um, timing is everything. So so he agreed. Um, we we uh, decided to start the company together and he taught me how to code. And so I learned how to like code like XML and JavaScript. And I was initially going to try to teach him dermatology, but that didn't work out. So he's like, you build dermatology, I'll build the platform. And I was like, better idea. And so we did that. We built the product in about, I want to say like six to nine months or so. Um, and then we started kind of um, iterating and just like, as with anything in any entrepreneurial um, venture, like you have to really know your customer. And, and here I was the customer. So I brought that prototype inside my practice and tweaked it. And things I thought would work didn't work at all. And things that like I thought weren't as big of a deal were actually critical to making the, the product work. And, and we take that kind of as the secret sauce today for everything that we do. Wow. Well, it sounds like you're a jack of all trades. Yeah, it was definitely, <laughs> looking back on it, it was kind of crazy because um, I would sing clinic like, you know, four days a week then. And then um, people would say to me, have fun on your day off. My office manager would say, have fun on your day off. I'm like, I'm building a company on my day off and <laughs> from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. every day. <laughs> um, so it was just kind of like, um, yeah, I, I would like like tuck in my, my son and then like, you know, then start coding like literally for like two or three years. And then that's really this how how much grit it takes to to, to build something that that works. So it's, well, it's it, amazing it, yeah. because it certainly works and it's so highly used and I think you've done such an incredible job and partially that's obviously because of your expertise your co-founder um, but also because you were in the space of dermatology so you knew exactly what the need was what the demand was and what could be used to make it better so was dermatology the specialty I'm assuming where it started and then you started to go to into other specialties from there yeah, exactly. Um, so as a dermatologist, that was the the natural starting point. Um, but then as we as we kind of had success in dermatology, we thought about like, what are the other specialties that we can go into that kind of have a similar challenge where there's a high volume of patients, it's more of a visual interaction. Um, you know, they don't have the time to 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 take 10 minutes to write a note. And so we, we from there, we you know I learned a lesson like, hey, you know, I I'm not going to teach Dan dermatology, nor am I going to be an ophthalmologist or orthopedic surgeon. I'm going to hire that person, teach them how to code, and then give them the tools they need to make it a success in their practice. And that's really been the model. And we're in about um, 11 specialties today. And so a lot of them are surgical subspecialties, um, kind of with that same kind of mix of visual um, iPad interface, medical knowledge baked in. And so we're in Derm, opth, ortho, ENT, euro, OBGYN, plastics, pain, um, among others. We're also in gastroenterology as well. So a lot of different options. So would you say that, I know I've used it in private practice, but would you say that primarily that is where this 
kind of works or yeah could you see potential for this also working say in an emergency room like where a patient comes in and you want to triage them you hand them a tablet and you could they yeah. could start filling out their chart and then you can do the rest in the emr system I think it can, I think it has potential to really work in any specialty. I think a part of like being an entrepreneur is like, you know, where do I put all my energy to make sure it's successful? And the fewer specialties you do, the more focus you have, the more the ability that you have to deliver that workflow that each doctor really wants for their specialty so that we're not trying to be everything to everyone, but really um, just execute on like um, one specialty at a time. And so right. that's really been our, um, our MO has been, you know, let, let's not take on too much, let's focus and and let's try to deliver everything we can to the specialties we serve. But as be we've the gotten best success, you can be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As we've gotten success, it, it's been hard to escape because as I go see doctors, like they know who I am. And so like, I just, I went to the optometrist and they were using our product, and I was like, "No, click here, do that." <laughs> and then like, "Oh, here, like he's here, like let's go, like let's go ask him some questions." Um, so <sighs> definitely a little bit hard to escape now, but it, but it's nice to see um other practices using it, and especially in different specialties. Um, it's kind of cool. So it's been fun. How quickly did you transition from one specialty into the next? We started dermatology, um, I want to say 2010, and then um, really, uh, you know, started building ophthalmology about a couple of years later. It does take a couple of years to kind of build a, a vertical and then use that vertical in practice and kind of tweak it. So I would say it's probably a two-year process to build a specialty. And so um, we, we would space those out every couple of years or so. And then not to get into the nitty gritty, but I'm assuming first you implemented your product in your own practice or wherever you were working. And then was it difficult to start? Like, what was your approach to get other practices to use it after after that point? Yeah, I mean, it was I think the the first thing I think Dan and uh, Dan is my co-founder. He's the CEO. And we were started building it like almost theoretically. And I think I could tell that Dan was getting frustrated with me because he was like, I don't want to listen to what you have to say until you yourself become the customer and start using it. And then I did. And then I realized like half the things that I wanted really weren't critical and the other half really were. And I think at that point I, I got buy-in and that was a good lesson for me as we hire physicians is to make sure they're using it too, um, to make sure that we have it's credibility. It's, you know, it's as an entrepreneur, you have to eat your own dog food and you need to know what it tastes like and you need to know how it works. And, and, and so, and, and where the, where the challenges are. And I would say that helped. Um, although there was a good, um, probably we built it in a probably about six months and then there's probably a good six month gap, just sharing it with other doctors, showing them what it was, uh, before, um, uh, we, we had our first clients, um, uh, I think they were in Wyoming that, that bought it a husband and a wife, they bought it. Um, and that was, that was magical. Um, just, just to, just to work so hard on something and then get it from kind of little P product to like big P product where you're actually selling it and supporting it and, and, and scaling it. Very exciting. So you mentioned a few of the challenges and limitations that you faced in the process. What are the other ones? Like, do you have any other challenges and limitations you could share with us that Absolutely. it took to grow modernizing medicine. As an entrepreneur, you get challenges every day. Um, I can say like when we started the company, it was right after the subprime mortgage crisis. 
And so even though we were trying to raise money, we really couldn't. Um, I think the first 40 venture capitalists were um, were not really interested at all. There was about like a thousand EMR vendors in the space. And they were like, you guys are just a dime a dozen. They really couldn't see like how we were different, but our customers could. And I think that really kind of gave us a lot of reassurance. I remember, we remember pitching, like I think to one of the VCs and Dan had coded this like random like disease generator. And so like it would give random diagnoses to the patients and we didn't like, um, this was just for the demo, not obviously for in, in production. Um, and so basically it gave like a female patient like prostate cancer and all sorts of other <laughs> things. And then like that, the venture capitalist was like, We're, I'm not investing in this at all. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> now that VC guy is kicking himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should be. But, but it's, but it's, but it's definitely, um, it's, it's, I think that was a challenge. And so we, but we were able to raise like initial money from our, from, from, from physicians who saw it early on and really understood it, I think. And that was helpful. And then we had, um, uh, a, a, a British billionaire who like winters in Florida, who owned at one time, like Reebok, but now, but now ones like Lacoste, Speedo and others, um, come in, saw it, like, and then invested. And I think that that really gave us an opportunity there. In terms of other obstacles besides raising money, we live in Florida, so there's hurricanes. And so um, Florida's had its fair share of hurricanes. And so when that happens, um, we have to like send teams to other parts of the of the country so that we're up what you know, we always have support and, and access. And so I think that was that was definitely a wrinkle. Um, COVID, as with everybody, um, definitely threw wrinkles in, in, in the operations. Uh, I think shortly after um, the government decided to shut down uh, a lot of the economy, we had to build a telemedicine app and very quickly um, so that our customers could have access. So we, we, we pulled one out, I think in like two or three weeks. Um, so that was a challenge uh, to, to build. From Did you help to... code that one? Uh, no, no, that was definitely on our team. <laughs> uh, definitely on our team. Uh, that did it and kudos to them for for doing that so it's it, it i would i would say there's there's many of them it's 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 definitely just comes with running a business um and 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 you just have to persevere and be persistent um to, to take every challenge in just instead and, and 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 keep moving forward so you mentioned covid and the use of um a telemedicine platform have you seen an uptick in that use con continue post COVID? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I think it varies by specialty. I think each specialty has decided like how they want to use telemedicine. And so I've, I've seen like a lot of our different specialties like urology and others use it as follow-up um, visits for people who like fly in for cancer treatment and they they still want to have that connection and just make sure their labs are okay. And I think it works really well for that. I've definitely used telemedicine myself for patients who, um, you know, were, 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 were uh, isolating at home, didn't feel comfortable coming in at the time of COVID. But I find that you have to like teach people like how to use a phone and how to like turn the flash on and where to go. And so like, camera and like it's not in focus and can you pan down and can you pan up and I and I think that that part of it I think for dermatology ironically is it's much easier to see a patient in person um, because we do so many interventions like we can't liquid nitrogen through the telemedicine camera we can't um, biopsy somebody um, and so I think you know it's definitely more efficient I think for for derms to see people in 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 person um, but we do have store and forward capabilities for those that want it 
um, and, and, and people use that. I, I would say in general, um, post COVID, uh, most people are just seeing patients in person. Um, and they just, I, th I think they, they like that, but there are some that, that for, for patients that are far away, um, or they're on that they can't get to the clinic, use it in, in, in certain, certain areas. Also, I would assume for particular conditions like acne or more melasma, rosacea, anything that's Absolutely. more routine and that doesn't really require an in-person intervention, it seems like it's very convenient. Absolutely. And, and certainly if you have a lot of patients that are in college and then they, they need that refill of doxy, um, and, but they're coming back in the summer, like telemedicine is perfect for that. So it, it, it definitely has its place. And I think we're all learning in real time, like how to use the technology um, really to, to help support us. So. so could you share how the platform has impacted the field of dermatology? Obviously you were able to keep up to speed with you know, the times of pandemic and get online. Um, I, you know, I always think about how you kind of like have syndicated information and I'm sure it has yeah. accelerated some research projects because all this data is in one place. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I would. I think it's like it's like the little things and the little workflow challenges that derms have that we've just kind of created with our customers. You know what what is needed, and so, you know, obviously, like trying to remember a time like pre Emma, pre pre MR. Like I think part of the biggest challenge of of dermatology is how do we represent documentation using a diagram? And typically in residency, we would just like draw the little figure and then like you know, mark them with <laughs> whatever we did to them, where the biopsy was or what have you, or where their distribution of the rashes. And I think the anatomical atlas that we did, I think was was, was really helpful. Um, you know, a big impact there. There's um, tens of thousands of, of different anatomical zones. Um, all of our customers, like you can imagine the most surgeons want even more granularity um, on the face particularly, so they can absolutely pinpoint where that basal cell or that squamous cell was. So I think that was a lot of work. Um, uh, scaling and, and and creating that zone, not just on the skin, but we actually did it for the human body itself, like bones underneath, muscles, growth plates, organs. Um, so we, that that's like a real um, different layers of the human body and, and interacting in that way, I think was, was really cool. Um, the way we do cancer logs, so how we track different skin cancers was also something that we kind of figured out. Um, in South Florida and Texas and California, there are lots of patients with tens, 15, 16, uh, 20 um, histories of skin cancers and how do we document that in an accurate, efficient way. So I think that was really cool. Uh, the way we came up with the biopsy log and the results, um, like how do we create a data dictionary for the entire world to understand so that when results come in, um, we can act on that in a way to reduce the documentation burden. I think that was really, really cool. Um, uh, the way we've automated ICD-10 uh, was something that we solved. Um, you know, you know, our customers don't really need to know what ICD-10 is. They just put a diagnosis on the body and that really helps figure out how to generate the code, which, so I think that was how we've, how we've allocated and collected quality measures. Um, you know, that was also something that we wanted to make sure wasn't adding a lot of pajama time to our customers. And so I think it never ends um, as long as we stay true to whatever the challenges are. Um, and listen to what the customers need, there will always be opportunities to improve it. Yeah, I definitely think in terms of billing, you know, in residency, you don't learn how to bill or about codes. So this kind of like takes the, it just makes it so easy and you don't, it's like brainless yeah. almost. Um, so yeah. that's, I also think- Go ahead. 
sorry, you can, you want to focus on the patient. And so you don't want to be thinking, what code is this? So it's really almost like a breeze. I also have found that um, it takes away some of like the human error component, because I have seen this myself, um, where we did a biopsy on someone. And this was in a clinic I used to work at. And, you know, human error, the assistant marked the spot. And then I guess the patient was having like two biopsies that day and they marked the two spots and then sent the patho into pathology, wherever those biopsies were taken from. And the pathologist called us and was like, you mark the right shoulder and the left cheek. And I'm looking at the clinical photos to correlate it. And they're not like really aligning. And I think the one on the left cheek is really a basal cell and the one on the arm or the shoulder is benign. I think there was like a little mix up and that, that mix up was really like in the human component off of the Emma and the Emma was like what saved us and being um, like, oh yeah, that's right. That's where I marked it. So there's some, it kind of like helps you in the human error, in the human error area. Absolutely. Um, I think that's technology at its best um, to make sure that uh, we're supporting the, the the users of the system. And and I and when I was in training, like we had a, a high resolution camera that was completely separate from the medical record. And just the ability to take a picture off the iPad within the application and tie it to the diagnosis is a big time saver and helpful for patient safety. Yeah. And I remember a few years ago, um, I was working in a clinic and everyone was sharing the same iPhone to take pictures. Like you would have to run in, take a picture of the patient and then run out and give the phone to someone else. So it's amazing that now you can just snap that picture on the iPad and put it into the patient's chart. So there's no mix up, there's no sharing of cameras and it's, it's safe and secure. Um, I want to move on a little bit and just say, Given the data that modernizing medicine has collected, could you shed some insight into how frequently individuals in the U.S. visit a dermatologist in comparison to other specialties? And how does dermatology stand in terms of claims data versus other subspecialties in medicine? Yeah, so we, we have a whole data platform that we really just service our customers. And so they have, they have the analytics where they can kind of see, um, you know, where they stand, what their biopsy hit rate is for like when they do a biopsy, is it how often is it precancerous or cancerous? Uh, things of that nature, features for them. Um, we haven't so much um, done cross specialty analysis, um, uh, but we definitely want to make sure that practices themselves have access to their data and can use it for operating their practice, I would say. Okay. Um, and like, yeah, oh, go ahead. No, no, continue. Yeah, in terms of like um, other areas, I think uh, like in terms of impact on uh, patient care, patient education, things of that nature, um, we talked a little bit about that high resolution photo in terms of patient safety, I think is really important. Um, the system itself creates um, education handouts simultaneously with the workflow. So I think it's super helpful for patients who can now obviously log into their portal and see what the doctors said. Sometimes our visits are really quick and we don't want anything to get lost. Mm -hmm. Also with the with the 21st Century Cures Act, having the ability for patients to access their results in a timely manner and have and kind of facilitating that feels really good as well. Because being on, on the receiving end of a patient, you always wanna get that information yourself to kind of review it. So I think that that really helps there. 
And then from a value-based care perspective, I think, you know, having a way of collecting those quality measures without double documenting or documenting in two systems has been really, really helpful there. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't really seen um, as much focus on value-based healthcare in the, in the specialties and the surgical specialties, but they're probably coming and, and having, um, as well know, as dermatology, not so much. Yeah, not, not so much in the, in the dermatology world, but you know, it's starting to come in the relations to prior auth and things of that nature, looking at like total body surface areas for, um, psoriasis or eczema when you're trying to, to get prior authorization for a biologic. And so I think, you know, we, we put those in several years ago and I think that's been helpful for uh, our, our derms and their patients in terms of documenting the coverage they need to get the right treatment. Right. Definitely. Um, Cause I've seen a lot of like prior authorizations get rejected because they, we, someone forgot to put in the body surface area. So it's really important. Um, and what do you think sets Emma or modernizing medicine apart from other EMRs? Because as you know, there are so many out there, but Emma is definitely favored by a majority of dermatologists. And I'm just curious, like, what is your competitive edge and what, what drives people and clinicians to use your platform? I would, I would say it's a whole team. We have a great dedicated, uh, team from customer support. And a lot of those people that are supporting our practices came from practices. So they understand the clinical environment. Uh, we have office managers uh, that support the PM side. We have medical, former medical assistants that are educators. I think that helps. We have physicians on staff. So we have a team of dermatologists that practice, use, use, use the product, but also talk to other doctors about what enhancements there are. So I'd say a big differentiator is our medical knowledge base. We have millions and millions of lines of code of dermatology knowledge, and we have dermatologists who can code it. So if there's a new laser that comes out, or if there's a new procedure or technique, um, you can have that doctor to doctor conversation about it, which I think really makes us unique. I think there may be other vendors that have physicians as consultants, but they kind of just advise, whereas here they're really integral part of the dev process, which I think is mm -hmm. really different from everyone else. Um, I think that, I think the specialty specific focus is probably what makes us most different from, from all the other vendors that are out there. Okay. And with the growing interest in artificial intelligence, I'm sure you've gotten this question before, um, in healthcare, how do you see modernizing medicine integrating AI into its platform? Yeah, I think there's a lot of hype and excitement about artificial intelligence. And I think, you know, we have to kind of separate the hype from what's really going to help support doctors and patients. And right now, I think that the biggest area to focus on is, you know, I think a couple areas. There's physician burnout, there's staff turnover, there's labor shortages, there's hyperinflation. And so we have to do more with less, which puts a burden on the stuff that we do have. And so I would say, you know, focusing on the non-healthcare delivery aspects of AI is, is where we should focus. And if you think about that, there's like $4 trillion healthcare dollars spend in the US. 25% of that is focused on administrative burden. Um, and of that, 
Um, you know, there's about $205 billion that are focused on physician offices, um, admin. So the, the operational costs of running a practice, but also billing support, scribes, um, you know, uh, workflow intake, uh, how do we collect messages from patients and things of that nature. And I'll call that the drudgery of healthcare, the, you know, the, the challenges of, you know, getting, operating a practice, nothing to do with delivering care. Um, and so I'd say if we can automate a lot of the drudgery of healthcare, then, and saving time for doctors and patients, I think that that could be super helpful. And there's tremendous turnover, staff turnover right now with hyperinflation, with post-pandemic burnout, where, you know, the average, you know, medical scribe, the turnover rate could be between 30 and 50%. So practices need some stability. And if somebody leaves and we can't find somebody else, how do I run my business? How do I get, um, you know, help there? And so those are kind of the areas we're really interested in helping and supporting our, our, our customers, because that's really the, the next level of challenge they're facing. And what do you think is the most unique feature um, or functionality about modernizing medicine or MS specifically? Yeah, if, um, so I can't go into specific, specifics yet about like how we're gonna use AI, but I'll say at a high level, we'll be announcing plans for AI initiatives around helping with the labor shortage, physician burnout, staff turnover, that will hopefully resonate with our customers facing real big challenges operating in the hyperinflationary period that we're in. Because uh, as you know, doctors don't get um, reimbursed uh, accordance with inflation. Uh, I know that there's some there's some work uh, with Congress to try to fix that, but right now we're having to work more harder um, just to make the same amount of money. And so, so for 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 me um, to support the customers for our team here at Modernizing Medicine, how do we innovate in a way? that um, you know you can automate some of the things uh, to reduce some of the expense that practices are facing. So maybe they don't have to see more patients to make the same amount that they were making. Um, and so, and I think that's technology at its best. Um, so so that's, that's what we aspire to do. And you'll be hearing more about that in the coming months. Very exciting. And that also maybe plays a role in with value-based care as well. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds like there's a lot to look forward to, Dr. Sherling. And I thank you so much for your time today. I enjoyed hearing the backstory of this really incredible and impactful EMR system that I rely on every day. So thank you for your efforts and for making this possible. And I hope everyone enjoyed um, this episode of the Derm Club podcast. And we will see you again soon on the next episode. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Dr. Sherling. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Derm Club podcast. If you found the discussion today to be valuable, please subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode as we continue to delve into dermatology and skincare with the world experts.